Okay, Boomer. Welcome to another episode of What We Won This Week. This is your host, Duke Coughlin. We have some of the top teams in the NFL finally taking shape. We have the college football playoff rankings finally announced. And we have some Heisman odds coming up on this pod today. How's it going, everybody? How's your weekend? How was your week? It is Thursday. The 14th of November, 2019. And uh, and the NFL is starting to really kind of take hold. Um, we're starting to really see the teams that are pulling away from the pack. We're starting to see the teams that are uh, really falling behind. And uh, we're starting to see some Miami Dolphins victories? Question mark? So it is, it is starting to get really, really uh, hot and heavy here in the NFL. Um, I think one of the biggest talks this week so far has been, um, kind of deciphering the power rankings, um, because with the Ravens beating the Patriots last, or, um, not, not this past week, but the week before that really kind of set things into a tumble. And, um, then the 49ers losing to Seattle on uh, Monday, which let me tell you, if you did not catch that game. You easily missed out on the best game of the season so far, um, losing against Seattle at home um, over missed field goals, and uh, it seems like it seems like missed field goals are just never, never going away. Kicker issues are just never going to stop happening. Kicker injuries are going to happen at the worst possible times, and Cody Parkey is still unemployed in the NFL, and that makes me very happy. Um, So I kind of want to go over one of the power rankings I saw that was really interesting to me because, I mean, every site out there is going to make them. You know, every major website, NFL.com, ESPN, you know, all of them are going to make their own list because, you know, it's like the hot button topic right now is, oh, well, you know, you know, we might we might have some good stuff on this website, you know, informative stuff, but we don't have a power ranking. We don't have a power ranking. I just I don't know what we're gonna do with the world. Um, people will never click on our website. Uh, we're going to fail. Um, we're probably gonna have to go bankrupt because the NFL.com is really hurting for these power rankings. Um, but anyway, I, I don't know why I'm randomly shitting on NFL.com. But all right, so let's just get right into it. I got one through thirty-two from this guy named Dan Hanzus. Harzus. Hanzus, yeah, Dan Hanzus. Um, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't actually really know this guy, but um, his power. I, I was going through a couple different sites' power rankings, and this guy kind of, uh, yeah. Well, well, let's get into it here. Um, a guy over at NFL.com. This is published on the 12th, so two days ago. Um, number one still has the San Francisco 49ers up there at um, eight and one. And uh, it looks like the biggest argument he has here is, well, um, you know, they only lost by a field goal. They were still, you know, they should be 9-0. and And, you know, it, it, it feels like anyone who still has the Niners at number one, their entire argument is either um, Geno Smith uh, said tails like or said heads or tails or whatever on the coin toss. Like, there's a big thing about that. Like, 49ers fans are not handling this loss well. Or it's well, they should be nine and zero. If they had Robbie Gold, they'd be nine and zero. Rookie kicker, I don't know what to tell you. 
Um, you know, the way I look at it is uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, and I really want to really, really make a point of this. Jimmy Garoppolo is one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, this 49ers got the ball back after Russell Wilson threw his very first red zone interception of his career against the 49ers. Very first. Just just imagine just imagine that. The very first of Russell Wilson's like career against the 49ers and he plays him twice a year. Um so that turned into a three and out, three incomplete passes. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo in a huge situation at home in overtime with the my leader for MVP tossing a very uncharacteristic interception, honestly not having a great game in San Francisco. He gets the ball at about the 30-yard line with, you know, all the time and like, you know, with plenty of time to move the ball down the field and he lets the ball hit the ground three times. Now, if that doesn't scare you for the 49ers in the playoffs, you know, if you're a 49ers fan or if you're, you know, kind of getting on that bandwagon cuz yeah, I know who you are. I know who you are, you bandwagon jumpers, but that's not my business. Um, you got to be a little concerned. You know, and I've never really bought into the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is a great quarterback. I was surprised that he got paid as much as he did. Um, but that 49ers defense is legit. They did make my favorite for MVP look very pedestrian. And I'm interested to see like what like with what they do to um, other quarterbacks moving forward. And in the playoffs, I can make that really interesting. Um, I think the game they got coming up with the Packers is going to be very, very, very good. And I think it'll be a good test for both teams early in the season. Two very good teams in the NFC. Um, but I just I, I can't buy the 49ers at number one right now. I, I can't buy them after taking a loss at home. Taking a loss at home is like the cardinal sin. Like you just you can't do it. If you're a top team in the league, you have to win at home. Um, even if you're great on the road, you have to be able to take care of business when you have the advantage. And the 49ers did not do that. You know, was it their kicker they had to sign off the street because Robbie Gold got injured? You know, yeah, probably had a good part to do with it. But Jimmy Garoppolo had an opportunity. He had a couple, quite a few opportunities and quite a few dropped interceptions that probably could have ended this game way sooner. Like, I, if, I feel like there has to be a statistic for dropped interceptions thrown by a quarterback, and Jimmy G has to be at the top of that list because it was just it was nonstop that entire game. And anyone who watched the game knows exactly what I'm talking about. Like, Seattle had so many opportunities to put this game away, and they really couldn't. But to be fair, they were the road team, and they came in as the underdog. Like they were, they really weren't supposed to win this football game. But um, anyway, onto that rookie kicker. You know, everyone he hits that field goal to take it to overtime. You know, everyone's saying he's the best guy in the world. That Robbie Gold should be fearing for his job. And I even said to myself, I'm like, dude, if if uh, if this guy makes the kick to win the game, like, does Robbie Gold have a job? Because how do you how do you cut a kicker after that? But, you know, he immediately put that to rest by kicking a football into um, the 49ers tunnel. And I don't know if you've ever been to a football game and know where the tunnel is. Um, that is not anywhere near the goalpost. Um, it was a very, very bad kick. Um, it was not touched or blocked. It had to have been probably one of the worst kicks I've seen in my life. Um, so, yeah, Robbie Gold still has a job with the 49ers. Um, I do not buy that the 49ers are number one. Um, they have a 
tough test going up, uh, going to play the Packers. Um, yeah, I just, I, I, I don't understand why everyone has to have the 49ers number one. That's, that's like the moral of my story here. I don't want to elaborate too much because I got a lot of, a lot of teams to go. Um, number two, the Baltimore Ravens at seven and two are uh, number two on this guy's list. Good old Dan Hanzus, Hanzus. I, I, I'm not going to pronounce this guy's last name right. I already know it. Um, you know, they moved up two spots here, and I think partially it's because the Patriots, you know, didn't play. You know, it's 7-2 and two it, to be at number two, I guess, at this point in the year. I guess it's fair because they did beat the Patriots. And the, uh, spoiler alert, the Patriots are number three. Um, But I think a lot of it has to do with, like, the hype that Lamar Jackson's kind of really bringing with the team. Um, And I think, I think you know, I'm – in the words of Nate Diaz, seeing Lamar Jackson like succeed in the league, I'm not surprised, mofos. Like, I, I think anyone who really watched him play in college could have saw it coming a mile away. Um, I think my biggest concern and continues to be my concern. I know I'm going to sound like such a horrendous person for destroying the people's MVP already, but um, his downfield accuracy always concerned me. Um, it concerns me a little less now, but it is still nonetheless a concern. Um, but the offense that is built around Lamar Jackson, like, and, and it's not like the talent that's built around Lamar Jackson, because you know there can be an argument made that Lamar Jackson is really carrying the shit out of this team. But um, it's just the way it's built. It's a very well coached offense. It's a system that thrives on Lamar Jackson. And that's what you find with a lot of these like quote unquote project quarterbacks that come out of the uh, come out of college is you have to build an offense specifically around them. Like, you know, on a simpler like on a simpler point, think back to when the Denver Broncos built their entire offense around Tim Tebow. Like built to his strengths. Like that is like the number one thing. That's the number one thing that I think any great coach does is they build around the strengths that are currently on their team. And I I think that's just such a lost art today. You know, there's too many just uh okay, well, I'm going to have this guy, I'm going to plug him into my system and he's going to fit, otherwise he's a bust and we're going to toss him to the side and we're going to draft another quarterback. Oh wait, I don't have a job because the players that I was given didn't end up working out. That's literally the modern NFL coach right now. And there's oh, so many talented coaches that wonder why they can't get jobs or, or keep jobs. And it's like, well, you had this really talented player that your GM brought in for you, and you've just continually found a way to not make it work. You've continually found a way to not build on their strengths, um, and this is what you're going to get. You know, and that doesn't include busts because busts aren't good at anything. They really aren't. If you want to consider somebody a bust, that means that they're just not good. When you have players who have shown that they're very good, including showing that they're very good on an NFL level, and then they continue to, um, you know, struggle with you changing their game every chance you can get, then that's on the coach. And that's exactly what the Ravens haven't done. And if they continue to run this type of offense with Lamar Jackson, yes, defenses will eventually adjust. But Lamar Jackson is such an—he is such a phenomenal athlete and going to be a generational talent when it's all said and done. That he's going to make this work. Like he is literally the modern day Michael Vick. If not, he might—he might even be better than Michael Vick. But that is—but it's year two. 
I am not an overreactive person, so we are going to have to see how that turns out. But I, I'm loving. It is so entertaining to watch Lamar Jackson play football. Um, number three, New England Patriots. You know, they're on a bye week. Um, I don't think there's anything scarier than having to play the Patriots coming off a bye. Um, and they're going to go play the Eagles. And... I think the Eagles Eagles might have a little bit of momentum going for them, but this will be a huge test for them. And I, I, I actually, I really want to see what Carson wants, how he plays against the secondary, because like I was saying with Lamar Jackson, um, I didn't really get to see him test that Patriots secondary as much as I kind of wanted to, which you know that's fine. That's that's not totally his game. You know, he'd rather move around with his feet and take what he can get, and then take the big shot when it opens up downfield. But Carson Wentz is a little bit different. Carson Wentz has, like, unquestionable arm talent. So I, I really do want to see what he would do against this Patriots defense that is considered one of the one of the quote-unquote best ever. Uh, you know, but, you know, so the Eagles aren't a complete tomato can, so I'm actually really interested to see. I, I, I don't know if I'd have the Patriots still this high after, like, the kind of loss they took to the Ravens, but, you know, Dan Jesus, that's, that's the way he does it. Um, number four, he has the Seattle Seahawks. See, now I would probably have the Seahawks at three, possibly even two. And, you know, maybe I would probably have the Ravens one, Seattle two, Niners three, and then the Patriots at four. Just because uh, the Patriots not playing for a week, you know, that, that does, that costs teams in power rankings, I feel. I feel like that's a, that's a fair assessment. Um... You know, like I said, you know, even with this bad game, and he, even if Russell Wilson would have went out there, thrown two interceptions, and looked bad, he that dude's still my MVP. Like I still don't see a better quarterback performance overall through the season better than Russell Wilson's. And I, I know I was just sitting here and I was praising Lamar Jackson, but Russell Wilson has just been consistently doing this his whole career. He has never gotten the respect he truly deserves. I, you know, I, I loved it when during the off season, everyone was laughing about the fact that this guy was demanding like money, like that this guy wanted to get paid. Like that blows me away. It's like, I'm sorry. Do, did we all just forget like how he was one of the most efficient, like quarterbacks in college football history on a run first football team? Um, did we just magically forget that he's been carrying, literally carrying this entire organization like for the past few years as like the Legion of Boom has gradually been broken into pieces? Like, have we forgotten like what this guy does in the playoffs? Like just making clutch plays really in every playoff game he's been in. You know, not always coming up with the win, but never really being a reason why they lost. Um I and he's number one in almost every passing category. Like I, 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 I understand watching Lamar Jackson and seeing how exciting his game is, but I still want to see his game grow. And I still think if I was going to pick a quarterback for this season alone, and uh, I had one year to kind of, and that's that's kind of how I look at MVPs. If I had one year, if I could pick one player. With the current season they're having at the trend that they're at right now, if I could pick them for the rest of the games or for a full 16-game season as they're playing this season, I'm taking Russell Wilson 10 times out of 10. Um, like you know, like I said, you know, Lamar, Lamar's lost two 
some pretty bad teams. Lamar lost to the Browns. Um, and he didn't, and he really didn't look that great against the Browns. You know, he's had, he's had, he's played a couple tomato can teams that really kind of put those stats up. You know, and, and, and I'm not sitting here, I'm not saying anything bad about Lamar Jackson. Like I was literally just praising him like a couple minutes ago, but. I have to take, like, as it stands right now, I'm taking Russell Wilson 10 times out of 10. You know, it's just the guy, if if you try to play prevent coverage, he's going to run all over you. And if you try to play him tight and keep him in the pocket, he's going to pick you to pieces. Um. So, And then on to number five, you know, he has the Green Bay Packers. And I think really, I think, I think really in any situation, this is like the right pick. Um, Green Bay at number five makes a lot of sense. They've just been playing. It's like a pretty, pretty solid, like pretty overall, pretty solid football team. Um, my dog is making all the background noise in the world. Um, you know, when you have Aaron Rodgers, who can go off on any any night or any day. Um, you have a defense that is far, far better um than what it was last year um i think you're in a lot of good shape the only thing is about that defense is um where they since week four they are 31st in yards allowed per play 30th in completions of 20 or more yards allowed and 30th in third down defense um you know i and and that's that's the thing is when i watch the packers defense i see so much damn potential out there like they have two legit pass rushers in Preston and Zadarius Smith, um, you know they have some guys on the inside, specifically Kenny Clark. Well, while he hasn't been having like this, you know, magical, spectacular year, um, he's been having a pretty, he's been having like a very solid season, like in the trenches, like trying, you know, stopping the run. You know, in that, I'm not gonna sit here and act like the Packers have been stopping the run well or anything like that, but but I think that's more of a result of. Uh, the inside linebackers and I think a lot of that I think a lot of the defensive struggles for the Packers is you know there's just not really another legit inside linebacker to put next to Blake Martinez and that's going to be something that the Packers really have to go into uh the offseason regardless of honestly how much to how much success they have um that's going to need to be a big uh, point of emphasis but I think number five is very fitting and with the game of the 40 with the 49ers if they can pull out a win against them that easily has them in the top three. Um, you have the Saints, number six. Personally, I don't think I'd have the Saints even this high. Um, losing to Atlanta, the the Atlanta Falcons at home. The Atlanta Falcons are, you know, in case anyone hasn't been paying attention, are not not good, not good at all. Um, and they completely manhandled the Saints at home. They sacked Drew Brees six times all year. And I believe the Falcons had seven sacks going into that game. Just overall a piss poor effort. I think the Saints could have went down to number eight or nine. Um, like, you know, Dan Jesus has different thoughts, but that's just the way I'd look at it. Um, at number seven, you have the Minnesota Vikings. Now, I'd probably put the Vikings at six. Um, big win down in Jerry's world, you know, against Dallas Cowboys. I know it's easy for everyone to laugh at the Dallas Cowboys, but Dallas Cowboys are a legitimate football team, and they're going to be in the mix at the end. Um, you know, Dak Prescott, he's having a very good year, and he played incredible against the Vikings. Um, 
it obviously wasn't enough. Amari Cooper was all over the field, but Kirk Cousins continues like this freaking just great run that he's on. Yeah, that's so weird. How many times have you ever said, you know, Kirk Cousins and great in the same sentence? But that's honestly how he's been playing lately. Um, Dalvin Cook was Dalvin Cook. And uh, the Vikings at number seven, I'd probably put him at six. I'd probably put him above the Saints right now. Um, but that that one extra loss, I guess, is really a backbreaker. Um, and number eight, Dallas Cowboys. Um. Man, they're just such a hard team to figure out. Like, like I just said, they're gonna be there at the end, but I don't know, I don't know how far they're gonna get. It's just because they're so confusing. Like, they're two different teams. Like when they when they win, man, they win. Like they are a good football team. Like they look, everything's firing on all cylinders. They look unstoppable. When they lose, there's just you just leaves you scratching your head. Because honestly, if you know, if you looked at like the last two minutes and you looked at how Dallas is moving the football down the field, you're thinking there's no way they're going to lose this game. Like there's no way they're going to move. They're going to score another touchdown on the Vikings and the Vikings or, and Kirk Cousins going to have to try to beat him. And sure enough, the Cowboys on fourth down decide to throw to not Amari Cooper, who has been eating the Minnesota Vikings secondary live. Um, no, instead they decide to throw to Ezekiel Elliott on an out route. Um, I think that says everything. Um, so yeah, I don't know about Cowboys at eight, but I guess um, number nine you got the Texans. Uh, Texans are kind of the same thing. They're very, very confusing bunch. Um, you know, one week Deshaun Watson looks like a perennial MVP. You know, the next week he's fumbling everything in sight and can't get it going and the Texans where they are right now they kind of need they kind of need Deshaun Watson to be able to carry this offense you know and to like really or carry this team I should say you know I obviously have DeAndre Hopkins they have a bunch of weapons on offense but with J.J. Watt being injured um it's still kind of a kind of a rough go for the Texans defense um but their offense will continue to move the ball you know Carlos Hyde Duke Johnson um, Will Fuller, I believe, is still out there. Even if Will Fuller isn't, uh, Kenny Stills. So, yeah. And then number 10, the Chiefs. Uh, losing on a blocked field goal against the Tennessee Titans, you know, I that's just rough, man. I, I, know injury, I know the injury to Mahomes is playing a huge factor in this. Um, he did come back and play in this game. And, you know, the Chiefs did look significantly better. But Chiefs are sitting right now at 6-4. and four. And if you would have asked me through 10 games for the Kansas City Chiefs that they would be just over 500, I simply put probably wouldn't believe you. So it really is shocking to kind of see um, where they're at at this point in the season and how they're going to rebound because they're only a half game back from the Raiders right now, who the Raiders for some reason are not number 14. Number 14. Who the hell made this list? Okay, so I'm just going to fly through the rest of this list because I'm just I'm losing brain cells here. Um, I'd have Oakland. Hell, I'd probably have him right behind the Chiefs at 11. And he has the Eagles. He has the Steelers at 12. Yeah, all right. So let's just go through this. All right, so number 11, he has Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, cool. Uh, number 12, Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, besides their defense, I don't see it with the Steelers, but hey, teach their own. 
Um, 13, they have the Rams uh, dropping down two spots. Man, the Rams just have not looked like the same type of team. You know, thank God they've traded all those first-round picks. I'm sure that'll work out well in the future. Um, number 14, the Oakland Raiders. I'm stunned they're not higher. Um, being only a half-pack in the AFC West, they've been red hot lately. Josh Jacobs is legit. Derek Carr looks awesome. And they are about to play the Bengals and the Jets. Um, that ranking's going to go up. Number 15, the Panthers. They had no movement. They lost a probably a pretty winnable game against the Packers. Um, I personally, you know, I could sit here and talk about ref ball, but I'm just going to save that for another, another day. I might even just do a special episode on YouTube strictly about the referees. Um, but I don't want to waste too much time on that here. Um, I don't, I wouldn't have ran it on fourth and fourth down there. Um, number 16, the bills there's uh, six and three. They dropped three spots for losing the Browns. That makes a little bit of sense, but, uh, the bills are still legit have still have a legit defense they just need a legit kicker and a quarterback um number 17 the indianapolis colts you know that's just gonna happen when you lose the miami dolphins it's as simple as that um oh man the colts lost the miami dolphins they are missing jacoby Brissett right now you know everybody thought jacoby Brissett might have been the downfall of this team him not being there might be the downfall of this team because you know brian hoyer ain't it and i've never bought at the fact that brian hoyer ever was it so um, number 18, you have the Los Angeles slash San Diego slash New um, uh, uh, London Chargers. Wow. You know, I tried making a joke there, but it just, when it takes too long to develop, it just sounds cringe. Um, yeah, dude, Phillip Rivers looks bad. Chargers look bad. Um, I don't, this team is unrecognizable from what they were last year. Not really a whole lot more I can say. Titans at 5-5. Five and five. Titans really interest me. I think they are better than what their record says. I think they should have benched Marcus Mariota way earlier. Um, Ryan Tannehill is playing for his you know, cl- you know know his football life right now, and he's looked pretty damn good. Um, I, was, I was always a fan of Ryan Tannehill. I always thought he got a really bad rap down in Miami. Um, couldn't stay healthy. Yeah, if he can stay healthy with this Titans team, they have a chance to maybe, maybe do something, you know. And who knows? Maybe he's the quarterback going into next year if he plays well enough. Um, at number twenty, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars. This week is the lauded return of Nick Foles. Um, you know, we can see if that'll try to make a spark in the Jaguars. I thought Gardner Minshew did a very, very good job, and I think um, Gardner Minshew will eventually be the starter out in Jacksonville if Nick Foles does not just completely go off. Um, Gardner's going to be a damn good quarterback in this league. And, you know, the Jaguars, they're about, they're, they've actually overperformed, honestly, what they thought they were going to be. Uh, number 21, my Chicago Bears. Uh, yeah, we beat the Lions without Matt Stafford. Um, our defense still scares me. Um, our offensive line still scares me. Ch- Mitchell Trubisky threw three touchdowns, but he's still been... Still waiting for the big yardage day from him. <sighs> Who knows? Maybe this is the point where the Bears can build something. Um, I've been I've been talking about this to death all week with every Bears fan I know, so I can't go too in depth on this one. But the Bears are still alive. <laughs> the Bears are still alive. They are the best four and five team on this list, um, or the worst four and five team on this list apparently. Uh, then you have the Broncos. Their season's just done. Um, you got the Browns. 
three and six, looking pretty insurmountable. It's looking like another Brown season, and they're gonna have a lot of questions about Baker Mayfield in the off season. But I guarantee he will be back. Um, twenty four, you have the Lions. Honestly, with Matt Stafford being gone, you know Jeff Driscoll in it. Um, we'll see. Uh, twenty five, the Atlanta Falcons. You know, they finally show a sign of life, but the second they get that eighth loss, Dan Quinn is definitely getting fired. Um, 26, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They beat the Arizona Cardinals in a tight game. Um, I think that says it all. Uh, 27, the Arizona Cardinals. They lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a tight game. You know, I think that says it all. Um, number 28, the 2-7 Miami Dolphins. Who would have thought that the Miami Dolphins would have found a way to get on higher than 32 at any point in this season? And they do it with, what, two wins in a row? With Fitz, Fitz Magic starting some magic down in Miami? Oh, my Lord. Uh, number 29, we got the New York Jets who beat the number 30 New York Giants in probably one of the worst games you probably didn't watch. Um then 31, you have the Washington Redskins at 1-8 with Dwayne Haskins starting the rest of the season. Very good shot. They go 2-14, and 14, and Cincinnati Bengals are back to being the Bungles. And that is this guy's uh, top 32 NFL teams in order, power rankings. I don't know. I just... I. 49ers at one. The Raiders at, what, 14? The Saints at six? Yeesh. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I do have to start making power rankings. No, we'll see. Maybe I'll maybe I'll just start posting that on the Facebook and the Twitter sphere. But, um, let's see. I got any final notes for the NFL? Um, no. I think I covered it all. Um, I think we're finally starting to see the legit football teams in this league. Uh, probably within the next week, I'll have some playoff predictions, maybe some seedings. Um, starting to see how kind of the picture is starting to warm up a little bit. But, yeah, there's just been so many underwhelming teams and so many teams that have just kind of popped out of nowhere. Like, who would have thought the 49ers would have been as good as they are this year? You know, and Nick Bosa looking like he's going to be a future defensive player of the year. Um, but yeah, so as it stands right now in college football, we have our top 15. Now, not all these teams have a chance to make it into the, uh, college football playoffs. It's probably at the absolute far, like at the absolute lowest it'll go would probably be number eight. That's like really the only, only big chance that any of these teams have. But as it stands right now, we have LSU number one, Ohio State number two, Clemson number three, Georgia number four, Alabama, of course, has to be right on the outside at number five. Oregon is at number six. Number seven is Utah. Number eight is Minnesota. And then cross, uh, bring out the rest of the top 15. Number 9 is Penn State. Number 10 is Oklahoma. Number 11 is Florida. Number 4 is my Bucky Badgers up here in Madison and Wisconsin. And number 15 is Michigan. Now, there's a couple different ways this could go. Um, 
and I have a list of the games coming up this weekend. There are a couple of them that could possibly be um, of interest for some of these teams. So LSU is playing Ole Miss. I think LSU is going to run away with that game. You know, Joe Burrow is just simply put, just far too talented. LSU's off uh, like receivers are way too talented. Like probably the most talented group in all college football. Um, you know, I think a, I think a lot of people were surprised that LSU beat Alabama the way they did last week. And, you know, maybe I was a little surprised with how like how much of a beatdown it was. You know, in the, for Alabama at least. You know, not in kind of regular terms, but I've. I've bought since Ellis since I watched LSU beat the Longhorns, um, what was it like week three? That LSU is like the best team in the nation. Like they they have just outclassed everyone they've played, and Joe Burrow has just he hasn't taken he hasn't taken a step back. Like he is not like since since they brought in and I don't know if anyone knows this the. LSU Tigers, because of the offensive struggles that have almost plagued this team for like the last like five years, like especially throwing the football, they actually brought in um, the passing uh, passing offense coordinator for the um, New Orleans Saints and had them work with the team and help them build their offense. And it has been night and day. Like that has completely turned around this team. It has completely turned around Joe Burrow. Um, LSU is a scary football team, guys, and they have a great defense to boot. Like, I I think I've thought for a while they're the best team in the nation. A lot of people were just so, you know, I I think it's just because of all the you know past accolades of Alabama, um, because of Tua being like the biggest thing since sliced bread coming into the season. You know, I think there was this idea that you know well, it's Alabama, you know Al, you know Nick Saban. And all that. Well, it's like no, you know, LSU, Joe Burrow, you know, they're just a very, very good football team. Like, and they play, they just play strong for each other. They play strong on the road. There's just not one game that I've seen LSU besides that Texas game at points, but not even throughout the entire game where they've even looked like they're gonna lose. Um, probably the strong, like, overall strongest team in the nation. I, I, I can't, I can't stress it enough. Like, don't be surprised about LSU. LSU being number one is not an accident. They should have been number one a long time ago. They didn't start the season as, like, the media darling. They didn't start the season, you know, ranked super high, which, you know, honestly, that's something that there's a lot of LSU teams that were way overrated, you know, in past years. This is not one of them. And I'm, I don't even, I'm not even an LSU fan, but I cannot, you know, as a guy who just enjoys very good, very good football, very sound offensive football, they're hard not to enjoy watching. Like Joe Burrow is going to look really good on Sundays. Joe Burrow might be the first quarterback drafted in the upcoming draft or whenever he does decide to go. Like don't be surprised at all. Um number 2 is Ohio State. Um Ohio State has a couple impressive victories under their belt, most notably the absolute ass kicking they did to the Wisconsin Badgers. Um but the only thing that I think really keeps them out of being number one right now is is their schedule. You know, they do play in the Big Ten, but um, I, I feel like it's been a relatively weak schedule for them all season. Um, Justin Fields is a pretty damn good quarterback, but is he the guy that's going to be able to step up and really uh, take over games for him against, you know, another top defense, you know, or top another top team? 
you know, and that that has yet to be seen, and that has to be a game that's going to have to be won on the road, and that's always the biggest test of a lot of these teams. You know, like I was just raving about LSU. The biggest thing I like about LSU is the fact they win on the road, and they don't look like any worse for wear. Um, Ohio State, we haven't seen it yet. You know, we haven't seen a huge win for Ohio State on the road yet with this team. Um, so we're going to have to see how that goes uh, moving forward. But Ohio State could easily be right there in the conversation as long as they win out. Um, number three, Clemson versus Wake Forest. Now, the biggest thing against Clemson is just their schedule. They have not really played anybody this year. And they were uh, you know, successful two-point conversion away from losing to North Carolina. So, you know, that there's a lot of question marks with Clemson. I think I think a lot of people see Clemson at number three. Um, and anyone who's really been watching a lot of college football this year, you know, they think, you know, do they really belong there? Uh, if you ask anybody, you know, in, you know, from Clemson or who lives in the area of Clemson who are, who's a huge Clemson fan, then, yes, they're going to rant and rave about how they should be there. But what have they really done this year? Who have they beat? Who has been, like, the, like, impressive, like, hallmark victory? for the Clemson Tigers this year. This isn't last year. This isn't year the year before. These aren't the Deshaun Watson teams. Like what is what have they done this year that's like so outstanding? What has Trevor Lawrence done this year that has, you know, that had his hype so damn high that people thought that he might even skip out on his sophomore season to go play in the XFL? Like I think that's I think everyone's just kind of waiting to see it from Clemson already. Like they are always this over, like insanely hyped team. I can't say overhyped because you know, simply put, they've been insanely successful the past few years. But you know, I think a lot of people are still waiting on like that hallmark victory this season that shows that okay, Clemson is legit, and people should probably take them seriously. Um, and then you have number four Georgia, um, who lost. What was it to Tennessee? I believe. Who went down? Yeah, they lost. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they lost. Or no, it was South Carolina. Yeah, Georgia lost to South Carolina, and um, they've they've kind of powered through and still kind of kept you know kept up in this season. Um, at number four, there's a lot of question marks there for them too because of that loss. Um, I think a game they're playing um, Auburn this week. I think that's going to be a you know that's going to be a big game for them. That's going to be a big game because uh, you know Auburn's number twelve. Which says that uh, you know they're right there. Well, they're not. All right, let, let me rephrase this. Let me re- rephrase this because I'm I'm talking around in a circle right now. So no, uh, Georgia is playing number twelve Auburn. Number twelve Auburn is still a legitimate football team. That's still a legitimate win that you want on your record. Like if number four Georgia, who has a loss this season already against uh, South Carolina, who I didn't believe, who I don't believe was ranked at the time that they lost to him on that. I think it was a missed field goal. Um, if they beat Auburn, that kind of maybe legitimizes it a little bit more that they are in the top four. Because I think there's a lot of people who think Alabama could be there. I think there's a lot of people who think even Oregon has a has a case. But I think um, I think if Georgia handles business against Auburn this week, um, I think that goes out the window pretty quickly. Um, number five, Alabama. Uh, the, Alabama's playing Mississippi State on Saturday. Now, Alabama, if they win out, and they have to win out, obviously. That's really any team at this point, I think. just You're just going to be saying that to death otherwise. Um, Alabama has to win out because they're notorious with playing a cupcake schedule until their conference games. 
and um that's going to be uh, really the biggest thing with Alabama. That's you know that's going to be the biggest argument against them being in the top four is when they did play a, a huge game against LSU. They were they weren't in that game really much at all. Like once LSU really got their feet under them and started moving forward, Alabama just wasn't there. And um, they need to win out and they need to be impressive. They need to be impressive doing so, and they need to hope that either Ohio State, Clemson. Or Georgia are gonna like they need somebody to lose. They need somebody to lose. A lot of these guys in like hovering in this top eight, they need somebody to lose for them to even stand a chance, and they need to win out. You know, it's simple as that. Um, same with Oregon. The only thing that's really hurting Oregon is that um, you know playing in the Pac-12, they don't necessarily get you know the most competitive you know most competitive games. You know, I, I'm not trying to take a shot at the Big Twelve or Pac-12, but you know, the only other team they're going to have is Utah, and um, I got to – oh, jeez. So after further review, there is a Pac-12 championship, and the two leading teams are Oregon in the North Division at 8-1 um, and one and 6-0 and oh in the conference, and Utah, who is number seven in the nation, at 5-1 and one in the conference and 8-1 overall. So that – um, you know, barring an upset somewhere in there, that will be the uh, Pac-12 championship game. Um, and that, that could be a big decider if, uh, especially if, um, if, you know, actually really that hurts Alabama. If Alabama were, even if they were to win out, depending on who they would play in the SEC championship, um, a number six and a number seven, you know, playing each other. If, if like Oregon wins, how, how do you honestly keep them out of the top four? If any of the top four teams go down, even if Alabama wins out. That's a that's that's going to be interesting. Um, and you, even Utah, you know, Utah is going to have the have an identical record as Alabama. Then, like, if Alabama wins out, like how how that's that's going to be interesting. Do you do you really keep out the Pac-12 champion uh, champion? Especially considering they're number six, number seven in the nation right now. That's a good one. And, you know, another good one here is if number eight, Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota's number eight, just for anyone who doesn't know. If number eight, Minnesota beats number 20, Iowa this week, and if Minnesota ends up beating Wisconsin at some point, if Wisconsin, you know, handles business and beats Nebraska, you know, and then they go to the Big Ten Championship. If if Minnesota beats Ohio State, and I'm not saying that's going to happen, I'm saying if Minnesota goes to the Big Ten Championship and they they're playing Ohio State and they have played upset you know upset team to really anyone they've played this year, Minnesota has kind of popped out of nowhere. They're a very well coached team. If they beat Ohio State, do you keep them out of the top four? This this is prime example right here of why there should be eight eight playoff teams i'm hoping next year that's exactly what happens because there are so many good teams in this top eight and championship games are going to dictate that there are going to be some very quality wins for some of these football teams now maybe ohio state handles business which will probably end up happening and then nothing moves or you know maybe any any team in the top four doesn't lose moving forward and then we don't really have to worry about it you know but i think it's going to be an interesting discussion coming up over the next few weeks um, I think Penn State's on the outside looking in at this point. You know, they're really going to need something to happen with Minnesota for them to really stand a chance. Uh, 
I love Wisconsin. They're done. Oklahoma at this point, they're done. Um, Florida, they're done as well. Michigan, I'm surprised Michigan is even at number 15, honestly. Um, yeah, this, this is exactly why it should be a top, you know, a top eight, because then you could have a Penn State, Oklahoma, or Florida, or even a Baylor, or Wisconsin, or or a Michigan. Still, you know, you could have those teams kind of still vying for that, like that eighth spot, and hoping that one of those teams lose. You know, I I think it should be a bigger playoff anyway. I think there's only there's only money to be made by there being more playoff games in college football because of how good normal college football, like regular season college football is. Um, but I, I think this right here, I think this is going to be the year that really kind of kicks them in the ass, and hopefully it is, to the fact that there are a lot of good football teams out there, and if they have the chance to play some higher competition, that there's anything can happen, you know? I think I think I think a team like Minnesota, and I might sound crazy for saying this as a Badger fan, but I think a team like Minnesota, or even a team like Wisconsin, or a team like Baylor, or a team like Iowa, th- them winning a national championship, I think that'd be great for college football. I think it would show sp- like uh, you know, it would show that it's it's still football. It's not you know, recruiting only takes you so far. So that's going to be interesting moving forward. I I really think. I really think that's going to be some good stuff. Like, if you haven't started watching college football yet, or you haven't really gotten into it, or maybe your team's out of it, and you kind of lost a little bit of interest, I'm telling you, there's going to be a lot of good college football coming up in the next few weeks, and these championship games are going to be as important as ever. Um, all right, so finishing up here, I want to kind of make a note of like some of the Heisman noise that's been going on, and just some of the moves that have been made. Um, obviously Joe Burrow is the favorite right now, but, um, just let's, let's get a load of like these odds right now. As it stands right now, Joe Burrow is the favorite. Um, he has an implied probability of 90, uh, almost 91%. He was a 200 to one odd opener and he's now, uh, six to five odds to win the Heisman trophy. Um, AKA very fucking good. Um, you have Tua, who is uh, ten to one. You have Jalen Hurts, who is ten to one. You have Justin Fields, who is eight to one. You have Trevor Lawrence, who is a hundred to one odds. Jonathan Taylor, unfortunately, because of, I feel like it's a big part of the season going the way it is, is two hundred one odds. Two hundred two hundred to one odds. He actually started the year at fifteen to one odds. Um. Joe Burrow, like this, just this is why you gotta love college football, though. Joe Burrow started the year at 200, 200 to one odds to win the Heisman Trophy. You had Jalen Hurts at six to one. You had Justin Fields at six to one. You had Trevor Lawrence at five five to two. You had two at three to one. You had Jonathan Taylor at fifteen to one. You had Adrian Martinez from from Nebraska at six to one. Like. And now Joe Joe Burrow is the unquestioned favorite. Isn't that isn't that just wild? I think I think he has it in the bag. But I I just I I wanted to just let everyone know the odds because man, it just it feels like every time everyone like every time college football and the media like overhypes like quarterbacks that they think are going to win the Heisman, it just always comes out of nowhere of who ends up winning it. You know, like like that run of freshmen we had that won it. You know, like Lamar Jackson and. Johnny Manziel and Baker Mayfield. Well, Baker wasn't a freshman, so I take that back. I don't know. I don't know why I said that. 
but it was just players that kind of popped out of nowhere that nobody thought would end, like would do it. And I feel like that motivation alone is why you get the Joe Burrows of the world. You know, that's why you get, say, the Tim Tebow's of the world. Because, you know, that that only fuels the fire. When a quarterback if when a quarterback's not being talked about in the media, they know. Just like they know when they're being talked about. And when you're not being talked about and you know how much talent you have and everyone around you knows how much talent they talent that you have and that they're making this offense built for you to succeed, the sky's the limit. But, all right, that is all I've got for this week, guys. Um, I apologize if my voice is a little wheezy throughout it. Um, I've been a little under the weather. Um, been powering through, though. Uh, haven't missed a day of work. You know, just, just still kind of rolling forward. Um, laptop's been working with me pretty well lately. Um, big, big announcement coming up. I have an interview that I am doing on Saturday. Um, I don't want to give anything away. But it is a very, very relevant NFL-oriented interview with somebody who actually works in an NFL office. Um, I will talk about that a little bit down the road, probably up coming up next week. Um, I haven't decided if I'm going to make that the whole episode next week. I'm probably going to release it as like a special. Um, I might cut it up a little bit in the next episode to give you guys a little bit of preview. Um, but exciting stuff moving forward. Um, I have been talking to quite a few people, um, about, you know, either guests, you know, being a guest on my podcast or being a guest on theirs. Um, a lot of, a lot of exciting stuff moving forward. You guys are not going to want to miss it. Uh, be sure to subscribe on YouTube. I'm going to start being a lot more active over there. All the current episodes are up there right now. Um, this one will be up there probably within the next day. Um, you know, anything from top list. I'm going to probably do a basketball video at some point with my uh, top teams from the East and the West. Um, I'm going to end up talking some hockey eventually. I'm going to end up talking really about a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of exciting stuff moving forward. Be sure to, you know, keep updated on the Facebook page. My Twitter page is moving um, at the po- uh, that pod guy, Duke. Uh, if you want to go follow that, I'll try to put it in the description or something like that. But anyway, guys, until next time, thanks for coming and listening to the pod. Go win this week.